Some people anticipate this Sunday more than any other at ECC um, because they love the music and we're about to hear it. That's great. But I'm um, also aware that some people anticipate with great delight this Sunday because it's the shortest sermon of the year. <laughs> and indeed it will be short. It's only a prelude to a musical celebration of the coming of Christ. But uh, I, I'm responsible for the prelude. And I want to give you the prelude this way. When we think of the incarnation, perhaps the best way to put it is when love came down. That's really hap what happened when the incarnation took place. And in order to think about that just for a few minutes, I have three words. What did it mean when love came down? It meant presence, it meant rescue, and it meant life. Why presence? Because God was with us in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way, this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave himself in Jesus Christ as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. I've always puzzled over the statement. I've delighted in it and puzzled over it just the same, which is true of a lot of scripture. You delight in it and you're a bit puzzled by it. Why that statement? Well, I think first that statement, this is not love that we love God, but that God loved us, is a statement that reminds us that we're not the standard for love. Love is not measured by our love. We only reflect divine love. And so to that extent, love is not defined by us, it's defined by God. But there may be another reason for the statement. This is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us. It may go something like this. Why would it be amazing that we would love God? What do we have to lose by loving God? What's amazing is that God loved us. Or to put it another way, what did God have to lose by loving us? Everything. He gave up everything demonstrated by the coming of Jesus Christ in order to love us. Henry Nouwen, a wonderful writer, theologian, said this concerning the Incarnation. We are taught, he said, to conceive of development in terms of an ongoing increase in human potential. Growing up means becoming healthier, stronger, more intelligent, more mature, and more productive. But the story of our salvation stands radically over and against the philosophy of upward mobility. The Word of God came down to us, lived among us as a slave. The divine way 
is indeed the downward way. Another writer and really songwriter and performer is named Michael Card. And he put in words one time these thoughts in a different way. And he said, you know what's most incredible are the times when we know that the incarnate Christ is with us. And he says, this is what I mean. With us in our daily routine lives. In the middle of cleaning the house or driving somewhere in the pickup truck. He stops us right in our tracks and makes his presence known. Often it's in the middle of the most mundane task that he lets us know he is there with us. And we realize then that there can be no ordinary moments for people who live their lives with Jesus. Why? Because of Christ's presence. He came down. What does love come down also mean? It, it means rescue. When love came down, it wasn't just a cuddling child and a baby. It wasn't just a demonstration of a sentimental kind of love. There was a purpose to this love. This love come down was for the purpose of rescue. And frequently, God had rescued his people from oppression and from oppressors. But that wasn't the major meaning. Because even when God rescued his people from those who oppressed them, he was not so much rescuing them from their enemies, he was calling them back to himself. Because the oppression that they always experienced was the result of walking away from the loving God who was their protector. So that's why when Jesus' coming is announced, he's considered to be the light for the nations and the one who will save their people, his people, from their sins. Not save them from the Roman Empire, but to save them from their sins. Why? Because rescue is not just about outward difficulty. It's about an inward propensity of the heart. I love this little poem that uh, an unknown author, at least unknown to me, put together and I've read before. Very simply put, God knew our greatest need. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So, God sent us a Savior. Rescue is absolutely essential to the purpose of the incarnation. And that's why we must never, even on a joyous day like this, with all the lights and all 
the demonstration of love, joy, peace, and hope, we must never forget that Christmas is inseparable from Good Friday. It is. As a matter of fact, if, if Christmas is separated from Good Friday, it becomes sentimentalism, and it really, in terms of its depth of meaning, it decays. The manger and the cross must always go together. Did you notice the manger and the cross? They must always go together because the manger pronounced the mission of the cross. So love came down, and first it's presence, and second it's rescue, but third it's life. Life comes to those who realize that love came down and realize that the meaning of love came down means to accept it and then to follow. And thus you inherit eternal life here and now and eternal life in the future. You know, you, you don't have to accept love. You can reject it. God won't force you to accept love. He will offer love to you and ask for a response. And your response, I hopefully, is, I receive your love, and because of your love, I can't help but follow. And when you follow and renew that love, you find life. Responses to love, it seems to me, can come in, in three ways. One, you might just reject it. And a lot of people have rejected Jesus Christ and his offer of love. Second, you might accept it. I have, I hope you have, I think most of you have, you might accept it. And you accept it because it's the most amazing gift. And you follow but there's a third res response to love. It follows acceptance. Love can also be renewed. Most of the time in the summer, I conduct weddings. But on one particular summer, I remember conducting a renewal of vows. For a couple who had been married some 50 years. And you know what that was? It was a pronouncement of the renewal of their love. That's why I think the writer of the book of Revelation called one church to come back to its first love, to renew the passion of its love for following and loving Jesus. And maybe it seems sentimental, but allow me to say, I can't imagine a better time and place than this to renew your love for Jesus Christ who gave everything for you. And I hope you do. Will you pray with me? Our gracious Lord, we thank you for the gift of love.
that comes through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. We thank you that we celebrate that really every Sunday, but especially on this Sunday we remember. And we pray that the memory will be more than sentimental memories of a baby in a manger, but the memory will drive us to the cross. The memory will remind us of the mission that you came to seek and to save those who are lost, and you extend your love unconditionally to us. May we renew our love for the ultimate divine love that we have acknowledged in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.